Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest, now available on Spotify, so listen on Spotify. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Mara, I am so excited to talk to our guest today. It's Martha Byrne, who played Lily on As the World Turns, a show I started watching in the mid-80s when she first began airing and was completely hooked. So I've said before that Lily and Dusty totally sucked me in. Um, They were my age. Brian Bloom had like the bluest eyes and I was all (laughs) on board. So like until Lily met Holden, of course, because I was a Lily Holden super fan for sure. And actually, when I got to college, my two closest friends were also big World Turns fans. We called it As for short. Um, And they were also on Team Holden and Lily. So I watched it, you know, until it went off the air. And I have just so many amazing memories of that show. Yeah, there are some shows where I I can't tell you exactly when I first started watching, but I so vividly remember the first glimpse I ever caught of As the World Turns. Um, It was in 1989 and I flipped to CBS during a commercial break for Santa Barbara, which was my regular show in that time slot. And it was a scene uh, between Paul and Emily played at the time by Andrew Cavavet and Melanie Smith. Mm-hmm. And Paul had just lost his virginity to Emily and they were like having a chat about it. I remember she that. She looked a little stricken. <laughs> it's so funny to me that played by two completely different people, Roger Howarth and Kelly Minahan, Paul and Emily ended up together, got a happy ending when the show went off the air. Um, but anyway, I, I ended up getting really into that show in high school. I loved the Snyders mm-hmm. and the Hughes and I loved Lucinda and John. I mean, what a cast that show had. Oh, yeah. I mean, the 80s were so my jam with that show. You know, in addition to Lily's romances, I loved Kevin and Franny. It's played by Julianne Moore and Steven Weber. I remember seeing Julianne with her, like, then-husband, like, in line at the movies. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Franny and Sabrina, like, here in the city. (laughs) Um, I was way into scenes at the Snyder Farm, and I, too, was a huge John and Lucinda fan. Um, Never mind that to this day, my friends and I still say, like, hey, pal, as an homage to Kim. I didn't know that. I love that. Uh, My friends and I actually say, 
hello, Barbara, to each other <laughs> as an homage to James Stenbeck from time to time. Um, I think World Turns may have like jumpstarted the careers of more mainstream celebrities than any other soap. From Julianne Moore and Stephen Weber, like you mentioned, to Meg Ryan and Lauren Hill and Marissa Tomei and like James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs. There mm-hmm. are so many big names that have passed through Oakdale. And I'm so happy that there's at least a good handful of alums of that show that are still in the daytime fold, like Maura West and, and Roger Howarth, who are on GH, and Sharon Case and Christian LeBlanc, who were both on YNR, but got their starts in Oakdale. You know, it's still crazy to think that that show went off the air. I mean, it was so good. I mean, I know there were times it veered off from the norm. You know, the spa story with Rose, Emily and Carly comes to mind (laughs) for me. But it just had such a solid cast and it was definitely gone too soon. You know, in our latest issue, we take a look at Soap's most shocking exits, you know, which I guess we could have done Soap's most shocking cancellations next. Right, right. This would definitely be one of them. Um, but we asked readers to vote at SoapOperDigest.com and actually Peter Reckle took the top spot as Daisy's beau. You know, I think we just talked about how I wish they had found a way to keep Bo alive for the audience. So it doesn't surprise me that people took his leaving so hard. Yeah, people also gave like high marks for shock value to the exits of uh, Tony Geary from GH as Luke and Ron Moss as Ridge on B&B. I think both of those men had been part of their respective shows for so long. It was hard to imagine either show without them. Tony had come and gone over the years, but his Luke had been such an iconic figure since he debuted in 1979. And Ron had been a part of B&B literally since day one when the show premiered in 1987. Well, it's interesting when you think about like how seamlessly Torsten Kay has taken over the role of Ridge. You know, I mean, it's a different Ridge to be sure, but you know, one that still works. Mm-hmm. Beverly McKenzie's exit from Guiding Light also got some votes. I know we've had actors <laughs> like Vincent Arizari tell stories of her leaving here on the podcast, you know, where she like exercised a clause in her contract and just gave notice. You know, I mean, it is hard to imagine that happening today. Now, my understanding is that negotiations these days begin well enough in advance now that we're, we're not going to see uh, a show get caught unaware like that ever again. Which, as an appreciator of (laughs) drama, I'm ever so slightly bummed about because I feel like no one has ever dropped a mic so hard and so loud as Beverly McKenzie did in 1992. And I applaud what a baller move that was. (laughs) Um, Well, our guest today also made the list of shocking exits. Martha left World Turns in 2008 after a hugely successful run. So let's get her on the phone to discuss her Oakdale memories and what she's up to now. Hi, Martha. Hi, how are you? Good, so excited to be here. Oh, we are so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, I have to like put that my, 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 as the world turns brain on again. And I love when that happens. So <laughs> thank you for, for having me on. Yes. Mar and I were just discussing all of our, as the world turns memories, we were both big fans and of yours oh, as well. Thank you. Thank um, you. So let's start at the beginning of your Oakdale journey. You actually tried out for the role of Lily in 84, but did not get it. Lucy Deacons did. Um, so what do yes. you remember about that first tryout for the role? I just, I remember Amy Locaine auditioned as well. Mm. I remember screen testing and Again, you know, you go in and you record your audition. I believe I auditioned with Brian Bloom and then never heard anything. I never heard that I didn't get it or not. You know, obviously I didn't get it because Lucy got it. But, you know, I had been in the business already for a bunch of years at 15 years old, which is so funny. But, (laughs) you know, the story as the story goes, I got an audition for a movie called The Boy Who Could Fly. And I got a screen test in L.A. for that movie. And I had not, you know, I hadn't heard from Asa World Turns. It had been six months or so, whatever, maybe less. And I flew to LA to screen test for that movie. 
And I heard the producer say, I wish Lucy was available. And I didn't put two and two together, but I realized they don't even, they're like, something happened. Like they didn't get the actress they wanted. And come to find out it was Lucy Deakins. Lucy Deakins was the actress. So what happened was I came back home to New York and I got a call. I didn't get the movie. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this business. I'm really, I'm so over it. I want to just be the high school student. I want to get braces. I want to like have a normal life, whatever. I'm so tired of being disappointed. And I got a phone call from Bob Calhoun saying, we want to give you the job of Lily. And I was like, what? They had looked at the old tapes. And he said, just come in, come for a quick hello. I was in my Catholic school uniform. I remember that. <laughs> and I came in and I, at the P&G offices, I don't know where they were, somewhere in um, the West Side. I met Bob, Cal, and I got the job. And they said, can you start on Monday? And I was like, okay. And that's what happened. Like she, she broke her contract. Like she, Lucy broke her contract because she was a minor. And her mom said, well, we're going to do the movie. And he said, well, you can leave today. Today's her last day then. So it was just like one of these whirlwind things. And it just started out of, I never thought, you know, I never would have known it would last as long as it did, obviously, but totally fate, you know, just crazy. It's incredible. It's really, really incredible. Well, as, as I'm sure you remember well, Lily back then caught the eye of not one, but two, like, ultra mega hunks uh, back in those early days, uh, Brian Bloom's Dusty and of course, John Hensley's Holden. But Mm -hmm. uh, tell us about like your relationship uh, with John back when he was just starting. I I know you did his screen test with him, right? I did. I did. I will, that I will never forget because he was wearing, I mean, I remember what he was wearing. I I mean, I've never seen someone as good looking in, in my life in person, first of all. And I was 15. So to see a 19 year old, it was, it was his birthday. He was 19 um, or 20. He maybe just turned 20, but it was his birthday when he screen tested. And I don't remember any of the other guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and he was just very quiet, you know, his usual quiet self. And, and I think there was like, you know, he he had been on one life to live. He had done like a small role in one life to live. And I remember I ran into Cal and said, and I said, you have to hire him. Like, I'm like, he is just incredible. And who am I, right? I'm like this little teenage girl. Of course, I'm going to want to hire him. Um, (laughs) But they brought him back to screen test again, uh, with just me again, alone, just to see us together. Because Doug didn't want Holden to be with Lily. He wanted him to be with Emily. That was part of the long-term story. Mm -hmm. Because he thought I was too young. And I actually have the original um, document that Doug wrote to uh, get the job on as the world turns as the writer. And in the document, <laughs> it says, I'm not sure the girl currently playing the role is, I don't know if you said a word attractive enough or, you know, something along the lines of like, I want a hot young girl, you know, oh, be with this hey guy. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. I mean, I was a kid, you know, I, I was missing some, I mean, anyway, I was, a, it was not like your typical heroine type of character. I was still a kid, like really young. And then when he screen tested and got the job, I was supposed to be the introduction to the character. And then he was supposed to go on to Emily. That was the long term, And obviously that changed <laughs> immediately when we started working together because, you know, I can't hide that. I mean, you can't, you can't fake chemistry. You can't, you can't hide that. It's something that just comes through the screen, you know, comes through the cameras. And I, I just, had that massive crush on him, like, you know, a teenage kid would, you know, 
And he was this brooding young guy who was a man, you know, and had his own other, you know, he was quiet and brooding, just like the character in a lot of ways. But we became so close because there was no choice but to become close. And we had a trusting relationship and he was incredibly respectful of my crush, which (laughs) I look back now and I think, my goodness, this poor guy, you know, was like, I, I just had, I mean, everything you saw was real. You know, the feelings that I had for him were like, Oh my God, he's so cute. You know, and and I I got to kiss, I mean, and I got to kiss him and hug him and all, you know, all the things that any teenage girl in America wanted to do. Um, but it was a friendship, but it was a deep friendship and he was incredibly respectful. And as I got older, obviously we were like best friends, you know, like that crush faded, uh, after a while, when I grew up and, you know, we all had our own relationships and all of that. But, you know, I feel like it, it's so rare to have that kind of intense working relationship for every single day, five days a week, where a movie, it ends and you go on your separate ways, you know. But if but a soap opera, you're working together, you're in bed together, you're, you're kissing. And Brian, too, like Brian was dating my friend Allison Smith. So I was going to say, dating. let's not skip over Brian yeah, here, no. Mara. Like, I need to no. go back to Dusty Lily for a moment. Yeah. So let me give you, let me give you, let me give, you, let me give you a little background on that. So Brian was dating Allison Smith long before I got on As the World Turned. So I knew Brian through Allison before I got the job, and we were friends. Like we would see each other socially with, you know, in the business a lot. And then I got the job, and Brian and I again we're like best friend, like tight as can be, friends. Um, especially with Allison and that factor, I saw John, I saw Brian a lot more off screen than I saw John, you know, like that, they, we were more the same age. So we, we were socially more connected. Um, and to this day, we're still friends, you know, and there is something very, he was an incredible actor too. You know, Brian, mm-hmm. Brian was a star, you know, Brian, I came in and Brian just won his first Emmy. He was on top of his game. I mean, I felt you know, honored to be working with him because his level of his, his acting was so, uh, so impressive, you know, him and Larry Brigman together to watch was just a masterclass in acting for me. Um, and we laughed a lot and we were friends. I mean, I have to say, you know, overall I was, I got along with every single guy that I ever worked with. I was, I, I was friendly with tight, close friends with every guy. I never had any issues with anybody in my career on that show. You know, we never had a, a guy that I worked with that was, um, uh, that I felt like I didn't want to go to work, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of feeling like, uh, or whatever. Um, even Michael Morrison, who played Caleb, who had his own off camera issues, who, who, you know, struggled a lot in his life. I adored him. Like I absolutely adored him. I, I felt bad for him for his struggles, but he was, incredibly kind and loving and sweet. And so that's all forgivable, you know, like the, the, the demons and all that stuff, you know, all the issues he was going through were, were just a side note to his wonderful personality and his heart and his soul. And so I was very blessed in that department. I feel like that, that I, I was partnered with some really wonderful men, um, in my entire Lily Rose, uh, arc of that time there. Mm-hmm. Amazing. We're really, really fortunate. It is. But when you started, you were, you know, in this teen romance and, you know, playing out those kinds of feelings on camera. Was that strange for you at the time? I didn't know anything else. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I feel like 
it was a real dichotomy in a lot of ways because I was going to Catholic school. I was a sophomore in high school. I was going to like the proms and I was going to the football games. And I, but then I was kissing this like 20 year old man at, in the afternoon and loving every second of it. Like (laughs) it was a very, it was a very strange, wonderful, incredible, uh, who else gets to do that? I mean, I feel like having started in the business so young, I got to do things being on Broadway when I was 10 to do things that most people don't do ever, you know, never have those opportunities to uh, play out those kind of emotions in front of millions of people. But the vulnerability that I was feeling in life as a teenager, you know, exploring those kind of new feelings, I think that's why it lasted so long. I feel like teenagers could watch me and watch John be like, that's me. I feel that way. And I can't say it, or I can't express it. She's doing it for me. And and suffering, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of that, you know, a lot of emotional, <laughs> yeah. uh, roller coasters going on, um, in, in life, you know? So was it weird? I didn't know any different. I didn't know I got to grow up in front of everybody and I didn't know what, I didn't know the difference. Uh, I just knew that I was, had the freedom to express those emotions on camera and it made it easier. Does that make sense? Like I was, I wasn't having to hide kind of like my, my teenage growth, it was actually embraced by the audience. So, and it worked for anytime it's a, a performance is real and it feels real, it resonates with people, whether it's a loss of a child or a love interest or a, uh, whatever these characters are going through. If, it, if it's real and it feels, you know, as an actor, you're supposed to feel it in the real way then it transcends the, the, the screen in the living room. Um, and, and that's why every time I would approach anything, it was like, how would I really react? Like I remember walking in on Holden and Julia together in a, in a, when he had slept with Julia, Sarah Brown, and I lost it. You know, I freaking lost it because that's what someone would do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what a wife might me as Lily would do. Maybe not a different character, but Lily is an emotional heap. You should call her, you know, she's always, a, she's always a wreck, you know, she's a wreck and she likes it. She likes being a wreck, you know? Um, so that's where it comes from. It just was, I think, stemmed from that as a child actress being embraced by Elizabeth Hubbard and John and Brian and Larry Brigman and Kathleen Widows and Lisa Brown. And that team of people like let it out, you know, let it, let it, let it all out because that's real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's why people, we're still talking about it, you know, now. So it's pretty amazing. Absolutely. Really, really, yeah. So obviously, you know, John and, and Lily and Holden were such a through line for your character. Um, did being part of a super couple to you ever feel like a hindrance or are you happy that like Lily had a pretty clear true love and someone who seemed like her destiny to, to drive the storyline? I loved it. I feel like it was, you know, John and I would be like, oh, they're putting us back together again. And we were always a little like, oh, but it was fun when we were apart because we get to do other things and work with other actors. We loved each other. I mean, we loved each other. We we were like family, but it always felt like, well, we're going to break you guys up. We're like, oh, good. We're going to get to do something different. And then we always ended up back together because that's what the audience wanted. Right. But they don't really want you together, but then they do like, it's that kind of back and forth of, oh, we want them together. We want them together. And then they're together. Like, oh, they're kind of boring when they're together. Like <laughs> they're better off when they're apart. And we kind of were better apart for the story wise. Like I never felt like we fell into the, I don't think, which is kind of incredible. Like we never, fe- we had a l- couple of years that were a little funky where 
writer transition, writing and the producer transitions who didn't quite get what we were and didn't know what to do with us. Um, but then they would leave and someone would come in like a Hogan Sheffer and go, wait a minute, we're going to turn this upside down. Let's use this to our advantage and give us, you know, give us rose and all that stuff. So no, it was never a hindrance. It's a gift. I mean, it's such a gift. I mean, the fact that you guys put us even on the cover of, you know, couples of a lifetime is, is such an honor because this is an institution. Daytime is an institution of wonderful, uh, storytelling to be part of that as a history is just an honor uh, for me. Um, so no, never, and never anything bad. I was, it was, it was so, uh, because of John and I got along, like we really liked each other and we had fun together. If we didn't like each other, I would say, yes, it would be a hindrance because <laughs> I, I, I do know that happens to a lot of some couples in, in daytime where it's like, oh my gosh, I never want to touch you ever again. And they have mm-hmm. to work together, you know? Probably because we never dated. Like we never had a relationship in real life. We were just friends. Smart. I think that helped. Yeah, I think it was. I, mean, I think it was a blessing mm-hmm. um, in the long run because uh, there was that that ish, that 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 wasn't there. It was just two people who grew up together and had a beautiful relationship um, that stand you know stood the test of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, are you still in touch with John today? You know, I haven't seen him in a long time. He moved to Chicago. Um, you know, texting, Facebooking, but never, you know, I haven't seen him in so long. I, I would love to see him. I, I feel like everybody went, you know, thank God for Facebook because, I, and I get to keep up with Kelly and she's in Chicago. And like, I feel like Mora, I do see Mora cause I'm out in LA all the time now. And I see Michael Park, he lives near me. So I see Michael Park, but Elizabeth Hubbard, I see all the time now. Um, which is again, another wonderful gift that I still have that relationship with Liz that has actually gotten even closer since we stopped working together, mm-hmm. um, which I'm so grateful for, but no, I don't see him enough. You know, I feel like I would love to, because we did share so much together and it would be, it's, it's almost like it happened to somebody else. I know that sounds strange, but it would be when we're all together, it, it's like not a day has passed. You know, we all get together and we laugh and tell jokes and it's like nothing has ever changed, but life takes you in different directions sometimes. And uh, I would love to see him and share a beer or two. That would be nice. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so when Lily found out that Lucinda was not her birth mother and that, in fact, she was the biological child of Iva and Josh slash Rod, it was Mm -hmm. the paternity slash maternity reveal heard around the soap world. There mm-hmm. was so much angst and emotion associated with that. And again, you were still very, very young playing that out. But uh, tell us what stands out to you about playing that storyline with Lisa Brown and William Fichter and with Liz and the rest of the cast. By the way, I remember uh, that so well. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I was yeah, such a too. regular viewer then and it was insane. I remember the scenes. I remember shooting those scenes like it was yesterday as well. And I remember they shot them at the end of the day. Because I would go in in the afternoon because I was go to school in the morning and then go to the city for work. And I know Doug Marlin wrote those scenes specifically. He didn't always write scripts, he would, but he wrote those scripts. And I remember there was at one point there was discussion about Shannon being the mother of Lily. Oh. It was very brief. It was a very brief moment. Before, and I don't know why, you know, again, Doug would always be like, but, but wait a minute, let me see what I, how I can, how I can, what works better. Right. Um, and I have to rack my brain again to remember what, why, you know, that was just, I remember that being a possibility. 
Because remember, don't you remember Lily and Dusty would hang out with Shannon at, at John's apartment all the time. Uh huh. I remember. And Shannon was like kind of a guru, kind of funky chick. You know, she was she was friends with them. Like she was hanging out with us and like that. So I guess that's when they, before they brought in Lisa and the whole Snyder clan, I think that was like the possibility. So when those story, when that storyline was happening, I would run home with my, my five episodes of scripts and read all of them front to back. Like it was so good. The story was so good. It was so well done. And Lisa, of course, who's my, okay, I talk to her every day now. I mean, we still, we still speak every day, but when that happened, the intensity on the set, you know, that, that energy that was on the set working with Bill and Lisa in that little room and it all came out. And I think it was a cliffhanger on a Friday and you just know when you're doing something that's going to impact the, the, uh, the show in a big way. And it did. And Lily ran off and she went away and Holden followed her. Um, but Elizabeth, you know, it's funny. Elizabeth is always Lily's mother. Like even to this day, when we speak about it, she's like, well, she's my daughter. She was my daughter. This, this Iva thing, you know, this whole, she still talks like that, you know, <laughs> still dismissive <laughs> of Iva. Oh, big time. It's, I, I love that. I love that she holds a grudge. Um, <laughs> about the whole thing. Still, still. Um, and then, it, but that's what made it so good because Elizabeth playing Lucinda, so possessive of her little girl, not wanting to give up, give up her little girl to these people on this farm, <laughs> just gave it that, that level of, of like class versus, you know, who's the mother or the rights and, and, and the whole way Iva was, you know, Josh, with Iva and he, she was 13, like those, that story today couldn't be told, right? You couldn't tell that story today. And that, that. It would be controversial for sure. Extreme. And it was then, but not the way it would be today. And the, the end result would have been different, obviously, if we told it today. And the, Doug would always push the envelope and we loved that about him. Like he, he just, he pushed it as far as he could get away with it. And we knew he was the boss. Like he, he was going to tell the story the way he wanted to, he'll figure out a way to tell the story his way. Right. Um, but it, it was so, uh, and Scott Bryce, I mean, to work with Scott Bryce was that whole element with, with Finn Carter playing Sierra. And like Lily was so jealous of Sierra's attention with Lucinda, but yet, so she'd run to the farm. Like the fact that this Doug Marlin could write a story that involved 25 people, and everybody played a part in that story is, is, is just mind blowing, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, and, and every detail was thought about the fact that, you know, that, that, that Iva drank stingers or not stingers was like, what other drinks she drank, grasshopper, whatever it was, you know, and that you'd see her nails were always red. And like those little details about the way Doug would write was, you know, like delicious for all of us. Um, but we would really, all of us would read the scripts front to back every day about what everybody else's story, what was going on. It was an incredible time to be on the show. We were kind of the little engine that could because we were forgotten about quite a bit at that time before Doug kind of came in. We were kind of lost ship, a lost ship uh, with no, an old, you know, quote unquote, old show. Mm -hmm. uh, and he just, by bringing in that, the new family, he really energized that transition to the success that we had. Uh, it was a wonderful time to be on that show, let me tell you. 
And to be a viewer, I, yeah, I can tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. tell us about your own relationship with Doug and do you have a favorite memory of him? He just, he loved actors. He was an actor. So he, he really understood the actors need to, to flex their muscles. So when I left, he was very supportive of me leaving to go explore what was out there for me. He would have loved my husband. I still feel like he, he was on the other side, you know, making sure I got to meet him when I, he brought me back to the show in 93. You know, he, he, he was, he was the reason I came back. He called me. Um, you could tell him anything you could talk. He was, first of all, he was psychic. So he would pick up energy on screen of people. Like he would know what actors would work well together just by watching the show. He'd put them in the Mona Lisa together in that set and throw them in. Yeah. Throw them at the bar and see like what he would see. If he saw chemistry, he could, he knew that was going to work. His instincts were, were 99.9% correct. Um, you could call him, you could tell him anything. You could say, I really feel like I'd like to try it. Like I, when Lily sang on the show, he's like, Oh, let's let her cyber singing in a club in Amalfi. I'm like, Oh, that would be so much fun and nice. Cause I really love singing. It was something a part of my life at the time. And he would incorporate whatever you wanted to, to your, character mm-hmm. if you felt that it would work he would do it he just he, he loved his show he loved his characters um he would put a smile and he would smile every time he would talk about story uh he was generous um understanding uh but he genuinely loved what he did and loved the characters that he got to you know type every day uh, and, and you felt that in the, in the, in the material, you know, but you could call him anytime, whatever you, if you had a problem or, or anything that you were concerned about, um, he would always, you just couldn't call him. And when the show was airing, that was the one rule you were not <laughs> to call. he would watch every day. Nobody was allowed to bother him when the show was airing. That was part of the, the rules. It's a good role. Very, very I good think he was very good. Very, yeah. very, very, very good to me. I mean, he changed my life. He changed my life. I mean, it, 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 I never, ever would have had the experiences in my career and my lo- personal life if not for him. So, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, it's how many people in your life to come in that just co- completely change the trajectory of your path in the universe. And he was that guy for me twice when I first started and when I came back. I mean, I met my husband the first weekend that I came back to New York to start on As the World Turns. I hadn't even started taping anything yet. I met my husband the first weekend that I came back. It was like, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Okay. That's amazing. This is why I'm here. And, and he was, and he passed and then he died before we even went to Italy to do any shooting or anything. So, ah, such a huge loss, such a huge loss for all of us. Absolutely. Too, too young, too yeah. young. I was just thinking like in a way how spoiled you were, you know, that your, oh, your first time. years were just touched in this golden way by, by his pen, you know? For sure. For sure. Because you know how you know. If you never know anything else, then it's like, wow, this is great. Is it always going to be like? And then it's not. So when it's not, when it, when it, he was gone and it kind of went through a really bumpy kind of, of course, how do you survive that? And then the writer's strike, a lot of things happen. Then you go, oh, wow. I mean, I was so, that was normal for me like that. But then when things kind of didn't go, went a little south, you started feeling like how powerful he was. You, I got, you get spoiled hundred percent. Well, another really like creatively fertile era for you. I think it's 
fair to say, was from 2000 to 2003 when you played Rose, Lily's long lost mm-hmm. twin, in addition to Lily. And you won a second daytime Emmy in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, were you excited to take on the challenge of a second character when the idea was proposed? Very much so. I was, I really needed something to kind of shake my tree a little bit. You know, I felt like things were a little stagnant for me, which is, and I, when I say that, I mean, where do I go? Like everything was kind of done. And, and when Chris Gautman presented it to me, it was not supposed to be a, a, a biological twin. It was supposed to be just like a lookalike, you know, and that was like the original idea. And then it was Hogan Sheffer who became the head writer right after that decision was made to said, no, 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 no. Let's dive back into the history and make her a relative in some way. So had he not done that, I think it would have been a fizzled, I don't think it would have been a very, very short-lived story, I believe, because if it's not rooted in anything, it's just, it's just gimmicky or something. Exactly. And I, I feel like if it would happen today, there, there's no way the story would have lasted because you always have growing pains with a story like that, right? You always have, I had to learn certain, we had to like, there was a lot of work that went into that. And I don't know if it would have lasted on today's society, you know, so it was way social media works and such. I feel like it would have died in the, on the vine, which mm-hmm. would have been unfortunate because there was so much fruitful story that came from it. But the, the reason why, what happened was Chris knew me, Martha, he knew me as a, you know, Martha on set and how I would laugh and tell jokes. And I was, you know, I was always more Rose than Lily by a long shot. You know, my personality wise was more out, you know, out, outgoing and kind of, um, uh, what's the word I want to look for? Um, <laughs> in your face, let's put it that way, in your face and funny and all uh, off camera. So he's like, I want to get that ca- purse. I want to get that, but I can't do it with Lily. Let's kind of find something for Martha to show that side of her ability, you know, and I give him a lot of credit for giving me the, the opportunity to even do it, um, and believing that I could do it. So that's kind of where she came from was just my own off camera silliness. And then it grew into like a really rooted character. And I got to work with Colleen. I'd never worked with her with Scott Holroyd and, and then Roger Hallworth and, and Elizabeth Hubbard was, it was so fun to work with Elizabeth Hubbard as Rose because she didn't like Rose. Lucinda didn't like Rose. Right. So she was like nasty to me. And, and that was fun for me to play because the way she treated me as Rose was so different. Like she never accepted Rose as a, as a part of the family or anything like that. So we had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so it really did give me so much opportunity to work with other actors and, and do comedy. You know, comedy on soap operas is very tricky because the audience doesn't really embrace it because it's usually bad. Um, and I say that in a nice way, like we don't want, that's not why we tune in to watch funny people. Like you'd have like one funny person on a soap opera who was really funny, you know, like the, the comic comedic relief, but they were never lead characters on the show. They were kind of the, you know, the, the supporting player potentially. So to have a lead character who was like funny and kind of irreverent and in your face was, was kind of a new thing and people slowly embraced it and, and and she became a very popular character because of Hogan had a blast with her just writing that character um why not you know she could be the commentator on the town and and call people out for their ridiculous behavior 
and was forgiven because it was Rose. Like she could say these things and you had Ann Sayer playing Mitzi, who I loved to death. And we had so much fun mm-hmm. working together and we just pushed it and pushed to push the envelope as much as we could with those two when they were together. Um, so it was, it was, I, I'm sad she died. I feel like there was more to do, but I understood why they did it at the time. Um, you know, I got it. I understand, but I feel like she was really kind of just getting started in a lot of ways. And maybe she could have been backburnered for a bit or something, but it was just a fun character to bring out, I think, to comp, be the commentator on like a ridiculous, whatever, whatever it was, but she died. Bye-bye. I always, dead Rose. I always really liked Martha that, uh, I remember reading an interview with you in Digest where you said that in trying on your wedding gown, since Rose died at the altar, it was poisoned at the altar and dropped to the ground then that you yeah. cracked you with, with all the dresses you, you saw how you dropped to the ground in them. Yeah. And that dress was gorgeous. I loved that dress, mm-hmm. but it was funny because I tried on the dresses before I knew she was going to be like, I try, I was never like trying on dresses. And then I'm like, I didn't, I don't think I knew that she was going to die yet, but then I knew it. Like I felt it. I was like, wait a minute, something's not right here. And then I, then he, then Chris told me they were killing her off, you know? So it, it was a, we, it was, it was a great storyline though. It was mm-hmm. a super sort of fun, fun story, really good story about how he killed her. That was fun, fun to do. Now, over the years, Lily and Rose were paired with a whole slew of notable gentlemen. Yeah. So we're going to touch on a few more of them besides John. Okay, good, we'll good. give you the name of an actor you worked with and tell us okay. what comes to mind. Um, so okay. let's start with Thomas Gibson, who played Derek Mason. Evil. He smelled like cocoa butter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was, first of all, delicious just to even like be around because for an amazing actor, smelled like cocoa butter every day. Like he was just like, his little his skin was like as soft as so, and he was dating Robin Morse at the time too. So she was on As oh, Turns. Mm-hmm. She played John Dixon's niece, I believe. Um, and again, it was a short-term contract for him, but I really loved working with him. He was a pro, 100% pro. Sweet. And I saw him. I saw him a few years ago um, when uh, Criminal Minds, I, I stopped by to see somebody there, and it was just so nice to see him because we did, we did really have a nice working relationship. But it was brief. Uh, Paolo Saganti, who played, of course, Damian Grimaldi. Yes. Well, he could, you know, he when he screen tested, he was had been from Italy. He had been here a very short period of time. Like he really had, uh, he was modeling, but I screen tested with him and we got in so much trouble on the set because we laughed all the time. <laughs> like our, our scenes, our scenes were always like sexy and he's like giving me a bath and all that stuff. And we were just making ridiculously inappropriate jokes all the time. And the comfort level the two of us had was, was ridiculous with each other. I, I, I and again, I don't know why, like it just happened, it just kind of, you, you know, when you know your person, like he's one of my people, like I knew the trust level that I had with him was complete. Um, he still, I still see him all the time. He has a restaurant, two restaurants here in LA and I see him all the time. And, you know, we, we, we were both, I think just married and he got married. He's got five children. Um, work, working with him, I always, he was just, he's such a generous actor. Every woman and man that works with him, he gives his all. So if you're working in a scene with him, you feel like you're the only person on the planet. He's that kind of actor. It's not about him. It's not about what he, he's going to give you what you need. He's, his generosity as an actor is, is um, an unselfish, completely unselfish. 
on, on the floor, you know, like, what do you need? What can I help for you? Let's try He's so generous that way. Um, and so completely secure in his own manhood, talent, secure. He's just that guy, um, that he doesn't need to play games with you in a scene at all. He just, he's there for you a hundred percent. Um, but we laughed. I mean, we got in so much trouble. I mean, so much trouble in a good way, you know, like, okay, guys, let's go. Like, can we just, but the crew loved it too, because he was so entertaining. Like he was so funny, uh, still is, but our sense of humor is we're right on the same level, which makes it a really a fun day all the time. Mm -hmm. Still. Um, what about Bronson Pickett who played Diego Santana? Oh, he was great too. See what I'm saying? Like I got so lucky. He was, he had, I think he'd been on another world before that. Am I, am I yes. right with that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, I had, not if I'd watched him, but I feel like, you know, he was brought on and not, they, that was like right after Doug died, right? So he came on and he was supposed to be potentially, I think he auditioned for Damien possibly, but I don't, don't quote me on that, but he. Too late. It's a podcast. You've been quoted. I know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I don't remember. And so he, to have, he started out as this kind of great character and then he turned dark, which I know is kind of hard for, you know, for the kind of evil that he had to play. But and again, just a sweet guy, like really generous and, 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 and I have nothing but positive things to say about him. We had another brief, it was a very brief uh, work relationship we had together, but, um, a pr another pro, like we just never had any issues at all. We had so much, we had fun, definitely fun. But he's very serious. You know, he's very, very dedicated work worker and like into his acting and this, and we, you know, we tried to find fun things to do together as, you know, as these characters, like and then, remember when Lily was like trying to f figure out what his deal was. And so we got to play a lot of mind game scenes, which were, which are so fun to watch as the audience and for us as actors to come up with tips for the audience to kind of like cat and mouse. Mm -hmm. We had a, we had a good time coming up with that. And he, that was a, he was such a wonderful evil character. Um, but with that, that face, you kind of didn't see it coming, right. uh, which was, was, that was a good, that was a good story. Another good story who shot Diego, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a great photo of you in a wedding gown and a, and a gun, which is a very soap yes. opera photo for sure. Yes. It was, in, <laughs> it was like on the new, it was in the New York times at one point, like the full page. I still have it. I don't know why, but it was like this, me with the holding a gun in the New York times, full page story about, it was about soaps, but it was like, that was a random picture to choose, but it's great. That's it's great to have. Uh, what about Paul Layden who played Simon opposite Rose? Oh gosh. I remember he auditioned. He, they flew him in from Australia. He auditioned. He got the job. And we were working like 24 hours, 48 hours later together. And he, we had about mm, 40 scenes to do together wow. because they had backed it up the scenes. So I, we just met. I'm like, we got to run these lines. Like I got him in my car. We went to my apartment. I'd never met. Like we didn't even know each <laughs> other. And we ran lines for like eight hours straight. And we that kind of experience that quickly became, we became so tight. We, I really, I mean, I won, won my Emmy. I thanked him as my new best friend because same like Paulo, the same kind of sense of humor. And we would just, uh, we loved working together and I, I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like we had a, a very tight chemistry together and a trust 
it's funny because when you're married in real life and I've, I'm happily married and I have an incredible relationship with my husband and to have a relationship with an, another man in your life that's, that is intense like that, whether it's John or Paulo or Paul Layden or to be able to trust someone else in a certain way and, and have that freedom to create in a, this wonderful bubble and then be able to close the doors and go home to your life is, is absolutely necessary in the daytime world, right? You, to have but the best of both worlds, the trust that you have with your real relationship, but also have a trust with your work partner where it's very intimate. You know, you're having very emotional roller coaster, you know, stories and to be able to have that as a friendship with the person you're working with. And your husband, my husband knew my, the guys I worked with, they were friends, you know, they golf together. We would hang out together. We would socialize together. It's a very funky kind of weird life that we have, right? You're, you're kissing one guy on the set, but then you close the door, you go home, you get in your car and you see your family. And you know, it's, it's very intimate. Um, and it has to be to make it work for the audience. Like they have to see that kind of trust but then it's over. You say cut and you leave, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm still friends with Paul. I mean, I see him also when I'm here in LA as often as possible. And we had, um, a very intense working relationship for a couple of years. And then, you know, then he left or I left. I can't remember now what the timing was, but then he kind of, his character went to Katie, which was great. And that was a great storyline too. And they, they were wonderful together. Um, but yeah, we, we've another wonderful actor who was from Australia, like Paolo was from Italy who had never really done anything before that kind of found their legs in this, you know, in, in this country and on this show that built wonderful careers for mm -hmm. both of them. Mm -hmm. How great. And I got to be a part of that in the beginning, which is really wonderful. Um, now what about Roger Howarth who played Paul Ryan? Well, of course, you know, he came with a whole, whole, like, like Roger's coming. And I was like, Roger's coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, it was, you Chris Gowman, I've never seen him so happy, like giddy about somebody coming. Like it was a big get for us to have Roger come to the show and take over for Paul. And, you know, again, Roger's a very generous actor that with, I've, I found with my playing role that when we worked together, you know, he works extremely hard and makes it look like he's not in like a kind of like chill, but he works really hard. Like he makes conscious choices in his, his character and like finding this character. And, um, I always enjoyed my time working with him. I wish we could have worked together more. They broke us up, you know, they, they when, you know, when Rose died, obviously that was like the end of all of it, but I didn't, uh, work with, I'd like to have worked with him more because it was fun. We had, he tried any, he was very like, would try anything in a scene kind of guy and never was married to anything. And I kept it very alive when you would do a scene with him. He didn't know what was coming next, which I love. I love to try something new and see what happens or in the scene. And, and he was very improvised and things sometimes, which was, I love that because I work with Elizabeth Hubbard. She trained me right because Liz never said the same line twice. So I, I came from that background of let's explore, like, let's throw it out there, see what happens. Um, and, uh, Roger was the same kind of way. And, 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 I, don't know, I think he liked working on, on our show. I feel like, I think he had a really wonderful experience with our, our cast and our crew. And, um, it was new, new, you know, we opened the doors for him, all, all of us, you know, that's the one thing I have to say about Asimov Turns too, is that 
we really embraced people when they came in. It wasn't like, oh, the new guy. It was like, oh, come in. We're going to just sit down. Let's have lunch together. Let's all talk to each other. We're fr- we were so close as a cast and crew. Um, I think he embraced that. I think he really enjoyed our team. I felt that. He, he has said that it was your welcome, specifically, that really made oh. him feel like he could be part oh, of so this, this new this new uh, cast. Oh, that's nice. That's really sweet. So that's nice that he said that. But I know what that's like. You know, I know what it's like to go into a new environment like that and having, you know, there's a lot of buildup. There's a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectation. And it's like, we're just putting on a show here. You know, let's have some fun. And that's pretty much it. But oh, that was nice. That's sweet that he said that. And what about Ken Schreiner, who played Keith Morrissey? How much time do you have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Ken, I'm having lunch with him tomorrow. Uh, I, I was a fan. First of all, I mean, I watched General Hospital. That was a sh- my show when I was a kid. I say I always tell them that when I was in grammar school, uh, I was obsessed with General Hospital <laughs> as a young pre preteen. Ditto, ditto, right? <laughs> Who wasn't? It was the best show. Mm-hmm. So when I heard he was coming, I was thrilled because I had I was such a fan of his, and I have you know, and, and I don't know if there's, I've never heard a bad word said about Ken in from anybody in this business, they, he, he's still friends with all the women and men that he's worked with. He maintains his relationships with people. We, he is so kin. I can't, there's no pretense about him. Like he's just, I remember I was pregnant and he, he would get, I was so pregnant and he would go get me like turkey burgers and cookies and I'm like, can you go get me something to eat? And he goes, okay. And he, he, would just, he would just go and get it. Like he was so, his heart is huge. He is just, a, he, he, he would do anything for anybody. And I, I really, we, I mean, I just remember his character. Keith was like flying, a, we had this ridiculous storyline <laughs> uh, where we had to go get a kidney for Luke in Mexico with a, with a igloo cooler. I mean, there's nothing ridiculous make... about that, Martha. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but the only way it worked is, is sitting in a, in a little, and then we find out Keith can fly a plane. Oh, of course, of course he can fly a plane. <laughs> so just picture the two of us in the cockpit of this two seater plane with a cooler, with a kidney. in it, <laughs> And we just, la- we just like, this is, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> because we're together, we somehow, I mean, it's always fun, right? We always have a good time, but the fact that I could be with Ken during that story and it was, we just had so much fun. He's, he's just, um, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. Again, close. I see him every time I come to LA. I cannot not see him. I have to see him. Um, because he was so good to me when I was so pregnant and, we were just became, uh, I became part of his friends list, which I'm thrilled to be a part of the people that are still in his life that he, you know, has a, has close, a close friendship with. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, you guys know, we know, we know. You, you know, the love, <laughs> the, the, the kin love. Is oh real. yeah. Indeed. Oh yeah. Um, and finally tell us about Grayson McCooch who played Dusty number two. Oh, well, I'll tell you. I wanted Lily and Dusty to get together. We had to do something, right? We Mm -hmm. had to do something with these two. It was brief. I know it was a brief little thing, but then I got to work with him as Rose in Rose's salon and, and like with that whole storyline. And, 
And Rose really loved Dusty. Like she really had a, a love for Dusty, which was Grayson is intense as an actor. He's incredibly serious as an actor. But if you if you if you lighten him up, he'll be he'll go right there with you. Like mm-hmm. he's all in. He's all like very intense. But as soon as you make the joke, he's right there with you with the joke. Nobody he did a lot of homework. He did a lot of character work for this character of Dusty. And he would come to me and ask me a lot of questions about the history and about, you know, he was, he, I don't want to use the word method because I wouldn't say he's a method actor, but he's definitely a research actor and definitely a deep actor. Um, but again, like he was always up for fun. Like he, he always wanted to play. And I can say that about everybody that I've worked with. They want to play because when we play, the audience gets the results and our play could be anything from an intense physical, you know, altercation, which we're like, yeah, that was amazing. And like, he grabs, he was very physical. Grayson, a very physical actor grabbing and you know, all that. He loved to like grab and like pull and like, you know, he's very intense that way. Um, but it was great. It worked, it worked really well for the, the evolution of what Dusty became, you know, and that character kind of a little bit of a bad guy, which he was always so sweet, like the sweet one of the bunch, you know? Um, but you now working with him as Rose and it was like the Rose, uh, um, uh, Roger and Grayson and myself, like the three of us got to work together as a triangle for a little while. That was, uh, I liked that. I liked that triangle cause it, it did have the push and pull that I think audiences enjoy, which was like, does she go with Dusty or does she go with, with uh, Paul or, you know, what does that look like? But he was, he was intense. Um, um, but another wonderful character that's come through, through the, through the hallways. Um, don't see him. I haven't seen him in years. And I think he's, in, I don't know where he is. I know he worked a bunch with some people that I know on other shows, but I haven't seen him in a really long time. I would love to see him, but he's very like aloof. You like, you don't know really know where, where he is. Like, is he upstate New York? Is he, where is he? I don't know. He's elusive. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, loops the wrong one, but he's, he's, yes, he's mystery. He's a little bit of a mystery. Totally. Um, now we recently had a reader poll of the most shocking daytime exits. Of course, yours was on there. Um, in 20, yes. 2008, you left the show over a contract dispute as we understood it, yeah. which was the, probably one of the biggest stories of the year that year. And the most really, truly shocking. Um, I was shooketh. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, when you look back now, you know, what stands out to you about that? And um, do you have any regrets because the show was ultimately canceled that you had not stayed till the end? Again, and I, I don't really talk a lot about what happened behind the scenes for, for why that all actually happened. And it's, it, yeah, was it a contract dispute? Ultimately, is that what it, what it ended up being? Yes. Was it a power struggle more on the other side? Yes. Okay. So yeah. Does it on paper go? Yeah. That's what it says, what it was, but it wasn't, you know, and the, why, why I don't talk about it is because it's very personal and it's very, it was very upsetting and I just couldn't work there anymore. You know, so as time has gone by, I look back and I go, well, of course you couldn't, I didn't, I knew I couldn't stay. I couldn't stay there anymore. And that was painful to come to that realization that I can't come back here anymore. And yes, does it come down to a contract? But that's, that's how it started. It didn't end that way. 
in the press, it ends that way because like, oh, contract dispute. Well, that's very broad stroke, right? That's a very broad stroke statement. But ultimately, the decision was, how could I ever go back there after what happened? And that sucks. Like, Mm -hmm. that is just horrible. And I look at it now as like 99% of my time there was perfection. And the 1%, the ends sucked. And I have to focus on the, the 99% because what I've decided in my life that if, if you focus on the things that the, that person did that were the positives, as opposed to what that end up negative was, you'll feel better. You feel better. You're like, well, look at the 99% of what that person brought to your life. That 1% was, let's try to put that away because it doesn't change anything. Let's try to remember the positive things that happened. And I've kind of gotten to that, that, that kind of piece about that a long time ago. Um, but, you know, at the time, it's very hard not to talk about it because people would want to know, and I just didn't want to talk about it. And because I couldn't believe what was happening. I just couldn't believe that this is the way I was being treated. And it hurt. And it was not nice. And I, my husband was like, you can't stay there anymore. I'm like, I know. I can't stay here anymore. It's, it was very painful and very difficult to walk away. But I feel like if you stay, you're saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't okay. And I just I look back now and go, wow, you're pretty ballsy to do that. And just go, you know what? Yeah, it's a contract dispute. Sure it is. Because if, but that was like months before, you know, the, the contract issue was um, the issue right? There was an issue, but then it turned into something really dark. So, and I didn't like it. And it was just, it just was, it was not nice and it was unpleasant. And I wish it didn't go down that road. Would I have done anything differently? I don't think so because I, I, I don't think we can live with that anyway. I feel like we have to, in the moment, certain things seem are, are what they are, right? The reality is what you're dealing with. You can't, to the retrospective is like, hmm, what would you have done differently? Well, I don't know the answer to that. And I still don't have the answer because it was presented to me in such a way that I had no choice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because like people would ask me now that I worked with at the time going, can I ask you now what happened? Oh, really? Yes. And I say, okay. And I'll tell them. And they're like, holy crap. I had no idea. Wow. So here I am thinking like people are think, knowing things are going on or whatever, and they didn't. And I must have kept it very quiet. I must have kept it really to myself. And I, didn't, I don't remember much. Like I, I don't really, really remember a lot of it because it was so like, um, I think I blocked a lot of it out just from the like intensity of it at the time. But, um, you know, I had a confidant. I had a friend there that was really helpful to me at that time. And and she was amazing and helped me through it. And, and, and I had to kind of talk it out a little bit, but you know, it was, it was, it was a terrible way to end something that was so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't need to happen. hundred percent did not need to happen. And someone made a choice to, to punish me. And, uh, you know, that's just not the way I work. I'm just not that kind of like cutthroat business kind of person. I'm just more of like, this is my family. This is my job. I love it. And I don't want to leave, but if you're going to play games and you're going to do that, I can't, I just can't do that. You know, I know it's business. It's just business. I get it. I I mean, I 
I get how business works, but um, at the time it just was like, no, my daughter was very sick when she was born and I was, had just come back to work. Like she was little. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to just take this time to just be with my family and just do that for a while and see where that goes. And, uh, you know, I got a call from another soap right after that, like really literally three weeks or four weeks after, um, I, that happened. And I would have taken that job, but then it went, then the, <laughs> the other person ended up coming back and taking the role. And then I never really thought about it again. I was like, well, if they call, if someone calls me, you know, general hospital called and I did that for a couple of months, but it'll never be what it was. You know, it will never be what that family was back then. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was tough. It was very tough. It was a very tough, tough time. You were the face of but, as the world turns. Yeah. I mean, it was, oh, it was an insane thing when it, when it happened. Right. Even yeah. the fraction that we knew was, was very jarring. Yeah, it was jarring for me. You know, it was very jarring to see what was happening right in front of me. And I thought, this is just not, I don't want to play games. I really do. I just didn't want to play that, that, that game. Um, and, and, and I, I think my life just personally had changed once my daughter was sick, when she was born and like what that did to me. It was like what my, my, my value of what was important was my, my, <laughs> was so like, different from what someone else thought was important. Like what was, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't. And I'm sure it could have been resolved, but I feel like we were too far gone. It was too far down a road of darkness that I don't think could have been repaired. Clearly not, you know, Mm -hmm. clearly not. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I guess everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. And, and it, it, it was, it was tough, but um, I'm glad ultimately I made that choice because I, I stood up for what I believed in and who I was and what would had value to me and how I will not be treated as a human being, as an actress, as a person, whatever that is, right? You have a limit. Everybody has their line of what is acceptable. Um, and that it just was got, got really businessy and dark and like, just weird stuff was going on that I was like, I don't want to, this is just not, um, this is not how I want to remember my time here. So I don't know if I'm being really cryptic. I'm not trying no, to be. It, no, I think you're painting a picture that people yeah. can yeah, certainly I'm read between the lines. Um, yeah, and, for- and it's, it's fine. I mean, again, we all move on and, and, and it's, it's, uh, something I will never forget, but it also set the boundary for me of like, this is the kind of people I want to work with. This is what I want to do in my life. And I work too hard to not be around, you know, something that is more, you know, how I, how I can just dictate how my, my future looks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have power to do that. And that was, that was pretty, now I'm looking back. I'm like, wow, that was really, really, uh, a bold decision on my part. But, uh, in the moment it made, made absolutely, and still to this day makes sense. Um, and for anyone who may not follow you on social media or just isn't aware, Anne-Marie is also doing well. Oh, she's great. Oh, yeah. So Anne-Marie, my daughter, was she was, were, she was early. She was five weeks early. She had a collapsed lung and she had, um, she was, she was two weeks of intensive care and uh, it was very tough. Uh, but she's perfectly healthy, perfectly healed, no repercussions from her early uh, delivery. And she's, she's a teenager now. She's 13. 
and she's amazing and kids are great. My son's in college. My other one's going to be, he's going to be a senior in high school. And my husband's a retired NYPD, now private investigator, um, doing great. So life is good. Life is really good. Well, we love to hear that. Um, (laughs) now we also love whenever we see you post with Laura Lee Bell, who I'm in her house right now. She just walked by. I'm not kidding. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's holding like a dog toy in the, in the the garden. There she is. I'm not joking. She's right outside. Um, yes. That's hilarious. we're, We're like, we're working on a bunch of projects together, writing and producing. And, uh, she's, she's just, she's a, she's such a good friend. We just, we gel, we like, we call each other the same brain because we always come up with ideas that, that work well. To, you know, we just somehow think the same. Um, and we've been working together on several projects. We have some big things that are like percolating right now that we're just waiting for, you know, official announcements and all these things. It's just, uh, we've had a really creative, uh, experiences together and our friendship has just gotten even more intense over these years. And uh, I'm so grateful for her support through everything that I went through, you know, through everything. Like when, you know, when you leave a soap and you kind of get out of the bubble, you know, the world of the soap world and you go live your life and you have your life and you you keep in touch with some people. And anytime I come out here, she's like, stay with me, whatever you want. You know, if you come out just stay. And then we became really, really close. Like and then we started working on projects together, writing things together and producing. We're starting to do some things together. And, uh, and we've been on this journey together, um, where it seems things are really going forward and, and progressing well. And, uh, and we have like four or five things that we're, we're working on together. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, this May will mark 35 years since you began your daytime adventure. Amazing. Wow. Um, So what does it mean for you to hear that and to know that you made such a mark, not only on the history of As the World Turns, but the soap opera genre in general? It's, you know, when you start it, when you start, when I started As the World Turns, I didn't know it was going to be a long-term job. I I, I didn't know what it would be. I just knew it was a job because I was an actress, a working actress. and. I look back now and I, I, I see clippings from when we were, you know, we'd go to malls and like 10,000 people would show up and you'd get bushels and bushels of fan mail at the studio. And that seemed normal. Like that was like our normal at the time. And one thing I will say is I realized the impact that it's had this long because of what happened in the beginning. You, you, the seeds were there, the blocks that were there to create this um, this long-term relationship with the fans and they're still so dedicated. They're still so supportive of, of me and the show and the characters and actors. And, uh, without the good writing, we would have nothing. Right. So without Douglas Marlin, we, we, I don't, all this, 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 the fact that we remember scenes from 35 years ago, what are you going to say that about other shows now? You're like, you're not going to remember those, those, the impact that a lot of these shows, you know, that had back then to be able to talk about it now and have it have impact still is sort of mind blowing. If you think about it, I know Elizabeth Hubbard just did a documentary. They're interviewing her for the doctors because it's been re-airing on retro TV. And so they just did a documentary. They're doing a little documentary about her and like about her because the fans are watching it again on retro TV. And they remember her. I went to the Emmys with her last year when we presented together, which was amazing. We had such a good time. Mm -hmm. And we're on the red carpet and someone goes, Dr. Althea, Dr. Althea. I'm like, that was in the 60s. Like, 
the 70s, the fact that someone would even bring that up, you know, after all this time, just shows you what the impact she's had on people's lives. Like people love her too. Like anywhere we go, she, people have a reaction to her that is so visceral. You're like, oh, Lucinda, you know, <laughs> but not the same way it's different with me. It's like, hold it. Where's hold it? They always say, where's hold it? Um, <laughs> still to this day, but it, it's, I'm to be, you know, I just had my 50th birthday and I think Happy how, birthday. how blessed, thank you. How blessed was I to have this gift in my life where people cared about what I said, out of, you know, the lines that I spoke and what I, and what tuned in to watch what I did and cared and, and felt something. That's all we want as actors and performers, producers, writers, whatever that is, whatever you do behind the screen, the scenes to have people feel something. And I feel, you know, when someone comes up to you at a, at a, at a diner and says, I, you got me through your, my cancer because I could watch you. And I was in the hospital with my baby when you had, you know, you had the love story with Simon or that means something that has value in this world. And if, if that's my legacy, if that's what I leave behind in this planet of people feeling that, whew, wow, wow. I, I don't take it for granted. And I, 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 I recognize its value and uh, I, I, the, the, the privilege the privilege of coming into people's living room every day. And, and, and just so those audience members know, we worked hard every single day to make it real. And, and, and we fought for the audience every day. If it didn't make sense on the page, we fought for it because we knew the value of our, of our viewer and how important they were to, to us. And we would have fights. I mean, there would be fights. Liz Hubbard would fight, fight for the, the, the proper way to tell a story, to, to, to not, you know, to, to respect the viewers. So uh, uh, it goes both ways, right? We, 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 we worked hard. We had the privilege of doing it. And then we had the feedback from millions of people uh, who tuned in just to watch us. It's, it's, I'm really humbled by it, I tell you. It's a pretty special thing. It is. For sure. It really is. really is. Well, we thank you for joining us today oh, and thank chatting. you for having me. I think I have. I hope I'm, I'm not. So, I'm hope I'm interested. Stuff in. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding? Of, course of course you are. Still got it. You still oh, got but, it, Martha. But, but, but where's Holden? Where's Holden? <laughs> I'm you, just I, I kidding. Know, see, see he's still a mystery. He's still a little. He's still mysterious. We'll Where get him he? trending. Hashtag where's <laughs> yes, Holden? Exactly. Where's Holden? <laughs> Holden. Yeah, we had nicknames. <laughs> That's another podcast. We had, I had nicknames for everybody. That's another time. Anyway, thank you for having thank me. Thank you so much for your time and for your awesome stories. I loved it. Oh, my pleasure. And hope to talk to you soon. You will. Bye, Martha. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Martha Byrne for being our guest. If you like this podcast, we're now on Spotify. So listen on Spotify or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Please pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.